That was some powerful worship. You know, I, it's not so much that they wanted to get uh, Curtis out here to play guitar as much as it was for Jim to go back there and pound on those drums. <laughs> he loves the drum. I mean, he's a drummer at heart. And uh, I don't know about you, man, but it just everything just gets intensified when you're just like just seeking his face and just some of the worship songs being desperate for him and just allowing the Holy Spirit to just just flood you, man. It's just uh, when you allow yourself to get get caught up in worship and just with reckless abandon, just worship him, man. It just takes you to a place where it's like, Lord, nothing in life matters except you. And not, nothing in, in life matters except you, Jesus, and being in your presence, man. Hey, I got to tell you, last night we had that father-daughter ball. Man, everybody was dressed to the nines. I mean, the girls looked like far out, man. They were just like, whoa. These young ladies, man, just dressed up and they were like snazzy. And the boys, the men, man, oh man, dude, these guys came with hats. They came with with bow ties and they were just like, right on, guys. So it was a great date for uh, some of these dads with their daughters. It was just an amazing time. I had the privilege of, of uh, being with my oldest daughter, Deborah. She came and, and she spoke, and I got to share along with her, and she just uh, blessed our hearts and stuff. And so it was just a great, great time of just spending a, a, a time with our girls. This whole place, I wanted to keep the decorations up because we had balloons all over. We had lights. We had little candles. I thought, we should just leave it like that. But because we didn't, you can go onto our webpage sometime this week. I'm sure the pictures will be up there or on our Facebook page, and you can look at, uh, at the pictures that will be there. So uh, again, it's just, uh, it was just an amazing time. So Revelation chapter 8 is where we find ourselves this morning. We have been on quite a roll here, or I have at least lately. I've been covering one chapter at a time, man, and it's like, it's been stretching me. And I know it's been stretching you because you've been sitting here a little longer, you know, because it's like, I got to cram it all in. I got to keep it all in there. And I have the sound guy back there. He's just a dear friend of mine, but he keeps track on me. It's like, dude, you almost went like exactly 60 minutes. And it's like, okay, I'm going to try to keep it low. But it's like, man, there's just so much. And I know that I could split it all up. And stuff, but in one sense, I, I, I want to be able to get through it and just kind of give you all these things, not to, not to get into all the sensationalism, basically, but just to remind you that it is Jesus that is revealed throughout the book of Revelation. It's not about all the, all the stuff that's going to happen to the earth, although, and to the people, although it just gets pretty intense, as we'll see even to, to this morning, but it is all about Christ, man. It is about His mercy, His grace, continually being poured out on this world. It is about His judgments, and His judgments are righteous, because God is righteous, and part of His righteousness is judgment. And man, oh man, so we're in chapter 8, let's read the whole thing, and I am going to attempt to get through it, okay? So bear with me. Then He opened the seventh seal. There was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stood before God. And to them 
were given seven trumpets. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints upon the golden altar which is before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there was great, and there was noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth. And a third of the trees were burnt up, and all the green grass was burnt up. Then the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain, burning with fire, was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living creatures of the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Then the third angel sounded. And a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on, on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. The, a third of the water became Wormwood, and many d- men died from the water because it was made bitter. Then the fourth angel sounded, and the third of the sun was struck a third of the moon and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened and a third of the day were, would not, did not shine, and likewise the night. And I looked and I heard an angel or an eagle flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, 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 to the inhabitants of the earth, because the remaining blasts of the trumpets of the three angels who are about to sound. Father in heaven, by your spirit, I pray that your spirit would just fall on me as I share this portion of scripture with my people, Lord God. I pray that your people here, Lord God, would have attentive ears to understand and to see how powerful you are, but to also see the mercy that you show through this chapter. And I thank you, Father, for your word is true. You are faithful. And everything that is in your word, Father, will come to pass because of who you are. We thank you for your righteousness, Lord. Help us understand it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, after getting a brief reprieve, a short stay of execution from the judgment that have been coming from the seven seals, we hit a parenthetical chapter, parentheses of of sorts in Revelation chapter 7. Because if you remember chapter 6, the the unveiling of the scroll was taking place and and it got to, to the seventh one, right before the seventh one, and there's a break. We hit the seventh chapter and we cover the seventh chapter 
And that seventh chapter was important for us because it gives us an understanding that even though the Holy Spirit is no longer in the world like it is today, He is still, He is still working in the lives of some during the Great Tribulation. And we saw once again the mercy and the grace of God that even though the seals are now begin to be open and all the destruction begins to happen upon the earth and the church is taken out of the way, that the Holy Spirit is still speaking to men and to women. Much like He did in the Old Testament where it wasn't poured out like it was poured out upon the church in the church age. He still uses His Spirit to come upon people to, pray, to, to share the gospel even in the hardest of times. And so we see the mercy of God even through that time because He is merciful. Now, we get to chapter 8 and verse 1. And the second part of verse 1 gives us proof positive that there will not be any women in heaven. I mean, what else could that mean? When it says, and there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. What else? That is the conclusion I came to as I was looking at that. I'm going, man, I'm going to miss my daughters, my, grand, my granddaughter. The sealed scroll... <laughs> was introduced, you guys are thinking, you're kidding, right? It's like, yes, I am kidding, jeez. Most of you guys are like, what? The sealed scroll was introduced to us back in chapter 5. And back in chapter 5, as we get a glimpse of heaven, and, and we're in the awe of all of it, that, that John is writing, he's watching all this, and there's a cry that goes out in chapter 5. And it says, who is worthy who is worthy to open the scroll? And there must have been silence there for a moment. There had to have been because nobody could answer that cry. There was nobody that could say, oh, I could, let me try it. Let me do it. No, nobody in heaven, nobody on earth, nobody under the earth was able to say, I got that. And so there must have been silence even for a moment when that cry went out until... John began to weep because in that time frame when when the cry goes out who is worthy and nobody answers him and John just starts bawling man sobbing because he's going we're doomed if nobody can answer can, can open the scroll so the scroll is important no one was worthy except the lamb of god as we look at him there, and he's, he, he, he looks as if he's been slain because he was, but he still carries the, the scars in heaven. And so we got into chapter 6, and then we had the parenthetical chapter, and so he has already opened the first six seals. And now there's a great anticipation, an expectation, if you will, of the opening of the last seal, the long-awaited seal, <laughs> the one that will open the whole scroll. And there is more than a hush in heaven. <laughs> there is more than a hush. It is absolute silence. It is deafening silence. 
in heaven. With all that we've already covered and the glimpses that he has given us about heaven and what is going on there, heaven has to be the noisiest place in existence with all that we've already covered there. With, with, with the angels and everybody worshiping and all the, all, all, just, just the magnificence of, of all the presence that is there, man, and just all the noises and, and everything, and all of a sudden, man, there's this, done. It must have been an awkward, awkward silence with all that had been taking place. Now, I know that most of us, we've been in places where because of a tragedy or because of something that, that we are asked to pause for a moment of silence. And it's interesting because once the announcer says, let's pause for a moment of silence, a half a moment into it, man, you're going, well, how long is this going to be? And then if it goes longer than five seconds, you're going, dude, how long is this going to be quiet? But see, it's not even quiet because you have people ruffling and you got people think in your own mind, you can't even be quiet because you're thinking, it's like, dude, come on, man, come back on the microphone and say, thank you very much. <laughs> okay, man, because that silence was just too much for, for, for us, man. If it was five seconds long, it was way too long. And there are times that before we get into our study, sometimes I ask you, let's just, let's just quiet our hearts, man. And you pray. And even though there's no silence in, in your mind because you're praying, but in the room there's silence, and I know this is what happens. That if I let it go more than 30 seconds, you're going, come on, Zeke, somebody say something. But there's always the courtesy, <clears throat> <clears throat> you know, it's like somebody, because silence is like too crazy. It's too crazy, man. If I let it go for more than 30 seconds, it's like, okay, Zeke, get into it, man, let's go. It's getting awkward here. I feel bad for you. You know, can you imagine if I just stood here for one minute and didn't say a thing? It seems like an eternity, right? Have you guys ever been in prayer meetings where all of a sudden it's like quiet? And, and, and you're like hoping like, come on, somebody pray, man. Come Because it's going on and on a little bit and you can't stand the quietness, then there's always a cough. There's always a, a sneeze. There's always a <clears throat> clearing of the throat. There's always something. But, but, you know, sometimes when we have those moments, it's like the only time that we really have quiet. Most of your houses, man, are like madhouses, man. And some people, man, even if you're alone, it's like turn on the TV, do something, man. Turn on the radio because you want noise. Can you imagine a half hour? Now, I can make fun of women not being in heaven, but more than likely, I wouldn't be there either because I cannot be quiet for very long. I love hearing my voice. I really do. <laughs> so I wouldn't be there either. But can you imagine? And I know that there is no time in heaven but John is there, and he knows what time is. And I'm sure they know what time is, but there's no clock on the wall like back there telling me your time is up. You know, there, there's, no, there's nothing like that. And so there's no time in heaven. But John, as he's there, 
He's realized, whoa, there is nothing. And I can imagine that his, his, his mind is going, this has been about ten, five minutes. It's been about 10 minutes. My goodness, man, 20 minutes. Can you imagine pure silence for a half hour? This, this silence in heaven demonstrates a sober, awestruck silence at the judgment that is coming. And it's no time for celebration. No, it is a somber time. It is a, a, a solemn time, you know, because they know that the seventh seal is about to be opened and, and all hell is breaking loose. They've already saw, seen that in, 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 in the, the seals that were opened, but now, now the seventh seal, and it's a serious half, half an hour. And as the Lamb begins to open the last seal, I don't think that, that somebody had to like, hey, shh, shh. It just happened. You know, when there's something like really serious, man, people just kind of hush, you know. It just kind of gets to that moment where it's like this anticipation. I could imagine that nobody had to be quieted as he began to open this last seal. There would be some awesomeness happening. We've seen with each seal open, with all of it, we saw just how amazing and surprising it is. I mean, if, if you're reading it for the first time and you're going like, my goodness, these seals are hardcore with the horsemen and, and the cries and all these things that are happening. But as the last one opens up, it reveals seven angels standing before God. And they are there ready to do His bidding. And they are given seven trumpets. And we will see what those trumpets are like in verse 7 if we get there. (laughs) Those seven angels with the seven trumpets are what's in the scroll somehow. But as it is opened, this last seal, we see another angel with a golden censer in verse 3. And a censer is, is... is, is, is what holds the incense together. I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with Catholic funerals. I seem to go to a lot of them. But the altar boy or the priest, mo- mo- mostly the altar boy, goes before the priest and he goes before the casket. And, and it's usually like three chains coming down and, and this thing right here and they light it, whatever they put in there smells horrible. But it's these, this, this, this smoke and they're just kind of doing this, you know. And, and, and that's a censer. That's what holds the, 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 the incense there. And that's what, what is being shared here, that, that there's a censer, this angel having a censer, and he's coming before God. And here we see the altar, like we saw in chapter 6, that there was an altar at one of the seals that, that was open, but that was the cries of the tribulation saints. But this time... It's the prayers of all the saints, it says. All of them. And some believe that this other angel is Jesus Christ himself. In the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord sometimes referred to Jesus because this angel deals with the prayers of all those who are before the throne, the prayers of the people of, the, of, of God. 
And the thought is that only Jesus can bring those prayers before the throne. But if we look closely, we see it says that the, this angel was given much incense to go along with the prayers of the saints. And prayers and incense are usually associated together in the Word of God. But this seems to, to be these prayers don't have incense, but they're added to it. And could it be? Is, is it possible that some of our prayers are not a sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord? Could it be, is it possible, that much incense have to be added to these prayers because they were prayers that were not answered yet? Not that they didn't reach heaven, but they could not be answered yet. It's those prayers that it says, wait, not yet. It's not the right time. <laughs> but could it be? Is it possible that these were the prayers of vengeance and judgments from the saints and from the church? Now, I know you guys don't pray that. <laughs> I do. I do. I want vengeance sometimes. And I, and I often pray that too, Lord. Lord, this is not right, man. When are you going to go after them? And it's not like that prayer doesn't reach heaven, but could it be that it's one of those prayers that's kind of set to the side because not right now, Zeke. You're so wicked. <laughs> Are you even saved right now? It could be those kinds of prayers that we're going, but there's so much injustice going on right now, Lord. Why don't you just come and nuke them all, take care of it? Done deal, man. But you see, these prayers brought before the Lord with much incense, could it be, is it possible that now they can be answered at this time frame? Now they can be answered. Because at this time, time the, the age of grace is over. And now vengeance and judgment can be executed of all the injustices that have been done to the saints. And now they can be dealt with and poured out. But they still need a much incense as they go before God. It's quite possible. I'm just, that's why I say, could it be? Is it possible? Not sure what these prayers are and why they hadn't been answered in the first place. But could it be? Is it possible? That now he can deal with these. And, and the word another here in verse 3 for this angel in the Greek means another of the same kind. So this angel could just be another angel and not Jesus himself. Verses 4 and 5, it says that the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God. As the smoke of these incense, it begins to rise up. It begins to ascend into the nostrils of God, basically. And it says that fire was now taken from the altar and it was put in the censer. And it was almost like this censer, and I don't know how big it is, but it's like he just, boom, he just throws it down to the earth. It's like, whoa, that's pretty gnarly, man. That this angel, after he gets the fire in there, after the, the incense have been up to God, that he gets and he just chucks it. He just throws it down to the earth. 
And it almost seems like that's where the silence is totally broken, man. And all of a sudden there's, there's, there's noises and thunderings and lightnings and earthquake. Whoa, you know, all of a sudden, man, it's just like, there we go again, man. Back on the roll. The, the, these are not, more than likely, the prayers of the saints, as some would suggest. The, the, these prayers ascended up. They reached their target, God's nostrils, God's, vo- or God's hearing. But the fire from the altar is judgment. And judgment is what descends. And now God will take vengeance on the earth and on those who have persecuted His saints throughout the ages. And you're going, but not those people. They're already dead. It's like, but he will take care of because vengeance is his, not ours. And now it's time. And could it be that the fire that was taken from the altar and cast into the earth, could it be part of our prayers? Because you know us, man. We want vengeance. But if they were in the wrong motive, like, I just want to see them dead. I just want to see them punished. But could it be it was those sincere prayers of, of vengeance? Not, not, not because we hated them, because we hated the injustice that was done to the people of God. Could it be it was those prayers that said something like this, your kingdom come, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because we know you're righteous, Lord. We know that even in your righteousness, you will judge because you are righteous. Because he is a righteous judge, he has to judge. He has to. In order for his kingdom to come and be set on the earth, judgment is associated with this. This throwing down of the censer. Not that we wanted vengeance, but we wanted God's righteousness. We want Him to rule and reign. And judgment has to occur because of that. See, we could pray for judgment. We could pray for vengeance with a pure heart still. Saying, Lord, I'm praying for Your will to be done. And because You are righteous, we know that You will punish sin. And so we want your kingdom to be set up on earth. Now, his kingdom can be set up in our hearts, but one day it will literally be set up on the earth. And in order for that to happen, then judgment has to happen. And that's what part of, or most of Revelation is all about. Because Christ is being revealed through all of it. And so the silence... (laughs) One moment and noise the next with the thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake are associated with the judgments of God. And some might think, well, are all those kinds of things associated with God's judgments? Not necessarily. But God is almighty. And nothing happens that he does not know about because he's in total control even over all the natural occurrences that happen. It's interesting that, that a lot of these natural occurrences that happen, as far as the insurance company is, is concerned, they are acts of God. They are acts of God. We can't control all of this. But if you pay enough money, we can take care of these acts of God for you. We can rebuild your house. But it's interesting because God is in charge of all of this. 
And he uses these natural occurrences to get people's attention. He has used them and he will use them. When these kinds of things happen, we can see the awesomeness of God. And guess what, man? There is nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing man can do to stop those kinds of occurrences from happening. You just can't. I think it just kind of, again, shows us that God is in ultimate control of everything. But why would God show his power that way? I don't know, maybe to show us that he is God and we're not. I don't care what man thinks of himself. He is still the clay and God is still the potter in every situation. Let me read to you Exodus 19. You can write this down. In Exodus 19, 16 through 19, when, when, when Moses is now going before the mountain, it says, Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him by voice. It's like, man, oh man. When I read this in chapter 8 of Revelation, it reminds me of what's going on or what's happened when, when God came on the earth with Moses and he's on Mount Sinai and we have the same exact things happening because of the awesomeness of who he is. And it shows us his power. And so in verse 6, it says that these angels, that these angels are now prepared with their trumpets. These seven angels with their seven trumpets. And I, I believe they, they were what was in the scroll inside. And if you remember, it was written on the inside and on the outside and on the back. And at this point, the seventh seal has now been opened or, 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 or it's taken off. And the content of the seals is revealed. more awkward silence or somebody sneezing up here but the content of the scroll is revealed and it reveals judgment it reveals Jesus guys this judgment reveals the lion of the tribe of Judah in his awesomeness he is the only one that is worthy to bring judgment. Why? Because he first came as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. He came the first time as the Lamb to judge sin. And to give man salvation and whoever received him, his judgment was now on that cross. So he came and he died on the cross 
so that we wouldn't have to feel his wrath later on. And it's been happening like that for the last 2,000 years. That the Lamb of God continues to this day. If you're here and you're still in your sin, this morning he's saying, I want to take that judgment so you don't have to face the Lion of the tribe of Judah who is worthy to judge. You know why? Because he died. He did everything possible so that man can be saved. And when he comes back as the Lion, he will take no prisoners. Why? Because he gave us opportunity upon opportunity to be saved. That's who he is. He is the only one worthy to bring judgment. Jesus is. I mean, it's the wrath of God, don't get me wrong. But Jesus is the one that's opening it up. He's the one that's revealing these kinds of things because he himself is revealing himself. And he's using these angels to bring about the destruction that will come upon the world through the seven trumpets. And it's interesting because, and we're not going to finish this chapter. I'll just tell you right now. I'm looking at the clock. It's like, ah, forget it. This judgment that is about to come, if you saw the seven seals, the seventh seal opens up seven trumpets. And seven trumpets are going to wreak havoc on the earth as we, as we, as we read through four of them already. And those seven trumpets, the seventh one will, will introduce seven bulls. And it's not like they go back and they're just kind of intertwined. It's like, no, you got this section, and then it brings these trumpets, and then this one brings these bulls, and it just gets gnarlier and gnarlier, if that's a word. It just gets crazy up in here. Because he's going to bring the wrath. And these seven angels have the seven trumpets, and they are ready to jam. I love horn sections, man. I love it. I don't know if you guys are old enough, some of you guys are, to remember Tower of Power, man. Yeah! Man, they just like get down on that horn. But they will have nothing upon these trumpets that God is about to sound, man. They are going to rock and roll. But you know what, guys? Even through all of this, even through the judgments that are coming, we should not be happy about. Not one bit, man. If anything, it should break our hearts, man. Because there's many of our loved ones who have been introduced to Jesus. And Jesus, you know, they've been around us and they know what a Christian looks like, whether good or bad, but they know what a Christian looks like. And they have an opportunity to escape the judgment to come. And our hearts should break because these judgments are hardcore. There are family and friends. And granted, God will use His Spirit to speak to them if they are left behind. But for us to be able to convey to them, it's like, you don't want this, man. And they're going, oh, well, I'll just, I'll just die for Jesus in the tribulation. It's like, come on, man, get real. If you can't live for Him right now, what makes you think you're going to die for Him later? It's today. Today is a day of salvation, not tomorrow. Not, not chancing it and saying, well, when I get there, then, then I'll make my decision. Who knows that you will not be so cowardly? <laughs> because if you can't stand up for Jesus today, man, there's no hope. And you will go through this judgment and our hearts should break that people are going, ah, I'm okay, man. I'm not ready for this Jesus thing. Guys, we, we ain't got tomorrow. Not one of us, man. 
I know that the rapture can happen at any time, but every one of us can die right now, today. These, these trumpets, they are a big deal in God's economy. Man, when, when you start looking at what God does with these, these, these trumpets throughout the scriptures, not just how man uses them, but how God uses them. In, in, in according, according to Numbers chapter 10, just that chapter, trumpets have three important uses. They are to call the people together. They were used, these ram horns were used to bring people together. These trumpets were used in that same chapter to announce war when, it was, when you were ready to go out to battle. And again, you had to know the difference. You know, you, you couldn't like blow the trumpet and everybody's gathering together like, what are you doing? Oh, we're gathering. No, it's time for war. You got to know what these trumpets are for. They were also used for, for special events and special services that they would have special times all that in, in Numbers chapter 10. And as we saw in Exodus 19, the trumpet sounded at Mount Sinai because the law was going to be given to the people. And these trumpets were not the men trumpeting. It was the trumpets from heaven at that moment. And people could hear them and they were getting louder and louder because God was going to bring his law to the people. Trumpets were used when a, when a king was anointed and enthroned. In 1 Kings 1, it tells you all about what they used the trumpet for in regards to a king. And it's interesting because when you read the story of, of, of Jericho, man, sevens all the way through for one, but there's the seven priests that have seven trumpets that march around for six days, and on the seventh day, they march around seven times, and then they blow all at the same time, and it all has to do with sevens and with trumpets because they are so important in the economy of God. And in the New Testament, the trumpet will sound for the rapture, it says. In 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-two, it says, In a moment... In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17, it says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the shout and with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will be raised first. Then, he, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together in, with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. The trumpets are so important. And these trumpets that God uses in chapter 8 are a call for destruction. Basically a call of war, basically. And so God will use the trumpet, to call his own to himself. And God will use a, a trumpet or the trumpets to a call of judgment. And the question is, 
What call do you want to hear? What call do you want to hear? Where are you at? Where are you at? Are, are, are you waiting for that call to be snatched up? Harpazoed is the, the, the Greek word. To be snatched up from the earth when the last trumpet calls to be with him forever? Or are you going to wait around for the trumpet of judgment? It's an important thing to consider this morning. Because judgment will happen. It, it has to happen. It breaks my heart when we're reading this that we get excited about it. Yeah. You know, I, I'm just as wicked as you. Okay. Probably more wicked. I am so wicked because I do want to see judgment at times. And man, I read this, man, and it breaks my heart. It convicts my heart because sometimes I want to see it because I'm that wicked, man. And people bum me out, you know, and the things that they do, not just in the world, but to kids and to the church and to all this stuff and the injustices that happen. It's like, just rain down right now, Lord. Just rain it down, man. And then I read something like this and I'm like, dang, Lord, it should break my heart, man. Because I, should, I, I, I shouldn't want this. <laughs> I shouldn't want this. If anything... <laughs> Knowing what we know, and this is why I say I'm more wicked than you, because I study this stuff. <laughs> Knowing what we know, it should move us to preach the gospel. It should move us to give the good news to as many people as possible. Not everybody's going to want to listen. I understand that, guys. I totally understand that. But if we don't, <laughs> if we don't share the gospel, then we're, 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 we're saying, you know, I could care less about you and you can go to hell. <laughs> and we shouldn't have that kind of mentality. And I know that we can get frustrated enough to be there, guys, as Christians. But let this chapter challenge us. Put yourself right now. <laughs> you know, if you're saved, you're going, well, I'm saved, Zeke. I, I don't care. It's like, no, you should. Put yourself in, in this situation Getting, getting to this portion, not just seeing the seals, but now getting into the trumpets and seeing what's going to happen and saying, Lord, please use me. Open my mouth to share your word with other people. Show me how, how, how to use this portion of scripture or some other portion of scripture with my loved ones. Jesus came to pay the penalty of sin. He came to pay so that we won't have to see his wrath. In 1 Thessalonians, since I'm not going to finish the chapter. In 1 Thessalonians, when it's talking about the rapture in chapter 4, and then it gets to chapter 5 and it talks about the day of the Lord. And we see that, that in chapter 4, at the end when he's talking about the rapture and the trumpet it says we and we and we and then when it gets to chapter 5 it says and they he says you don't need to know the day of the Lord but they they will say it's peace everything's chill everything's going great and they don't understand that the sudden destruction will come upon them and then in verse 9 it, it, it reminds us of what God has done on our behalf and for anybody that will receive him because it says, for God did not appoint us 
to the wrath, to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Your judgment was crucified on the on the cross with Jesus. He paid your penalty. And there's people who don't quite grasp that. Why? Because nobody has taken the time to share it with them in love, <laughs> with grace. And maybe, just maybe, God wants to use us. He wants to use you wherever you go to be that light. To not just be that silent witness, but to speak. And guess what? You'll get shot down. But isn't it worth it? So that when they die or they're having to pay the penalty, they can't say, well, you never told me. It's like, let's play it back. <laughs> How many times? And so this chapter, even though we didn't get through all of it, should break our hearts, guys. Because judgment will come. And we should care. Let's stand as we close in prayer. <laughs> Jesus, we uh, <clears throat> humbly come before you, Lord. For those of us who, who have received you into our hearts and into our lives, Lord, even though we know we're not perfect and we continue to sin in so many different facets, Lord, we know what your word says, that, that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. It tells us that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, that he is always on our behalf, petitioning you, Lord, for us, Lord. And we're grateful for that, Lord. And I thank you for my brothers and sisters that are saved, that have been walking with you, that have come back to you, all these kinds of things, Lord God, because they're not appointed to wrath anymore. And I thank you for that. But Lord, we, lo we know people in our lives. Some of them are our families. And we've shared with them already, Lord God. And yet, Lord, we pray for another open door to be able to share with them once again, Lord. Lord, and, and if they deny it, they deny it, Lord. But give us the boldness, especially as we're headed into this Thanksgiving and Christmas season, Lord, as we get together with our families, that we would be bold enough to share your love and your goodness once again, to offer them salvation because you have offered it to us, Lord. And I pray for hearts even right now in these next few months as we get together with family and friends. That Jesus, you would uh, open up their hearts, prepare them for us. <laughs> prepare them for this army <laughs> that's re ready to go out and share the gospel. Father, use us for your glory. Lord, I, I, I don't know if there's some who have walked in this morning. They've known about you, but they've rejected you time and time again. They sit here on a weekly basis sometimes and they really have never committed their lives to you. And I pray for them right now, Lord. I pray that right now you would knock down all the walls, everything, Lord, as they have heard about the judgment to come. That, Lord, they would be broken. And I want to give you that opportunity right now that you would not just shine it on once again and say, ah, tomorrow, Zeke, some other time. Like, you ain't got that time. You don't know if you have that time. 
Is there anyone right now that, that is here that says, man, oh man, if this is for real, I don't want it. I want Jesus. Just slip your hand up, man. I just want to pray for you. It, it, it's not what saves you. God sees your heart right now. Is there anybody in this room right now that needs Jesus desperately? And I will assume that you know him already. And so I pray for you. I pray, God, that you would use my brothers and sisters, Lord. Give them boldness. Put them in those awkward situations where they will have to either confess you or deny you before man. Lord, please, Lord, give them victory as the enemy would love to shoot them down. Give them victory even in disappointment, even in rejection. Give them victory because they've spoken what your word has said. And we bless you and we thank you, Lord God. Thank you for revealing the truth to us, for revealing Jesus to us, even through judgment. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and I love you.